spring breakers stay away more often. I want you to open your... I'm, I'm joking. I'm completely joking about most of them. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open that to Colossians chapter 3 this morning. Colossians chapter 3. We are, in a sense, continuing where we left off at last week, where we talk about what it means for us to be raised with Jesus, for my life and for your life, to be given life because of Jesus. And what that looks like in, in the everyday. Uh, one pastor uh, said this week at a conference that he grew up in a church where everyone told you how to die if you were a Christian, but no one explained to you how you were supposed to live. He had always heard how the Christian was supposed to die, but he never heard how the Christian was supposed to live. And I believe that when we look into what Paul says to us in Colossians 3, we are given some definition to that, even though for most of us, I think that's kind of our story. Uh, we had a, a season, if you will, in the church where our great concern was heaven and our lack of concern was focused on here. And we even had songs that we would sing about pearly gates and streets of gold. And our focus was so much on heaven that we forgot that God has placed you here. Evidently, his salvation for you has, is to have an impact in this world. Otherwise, he would have already taken you home. And for so many believers, the greatest concern they have for heaven is the size of the mansion that they're going to get. And my worry is they're probably not going to get either, if that's all you ever think about. Heaven is a promise that God gives us that we should look at and think about. But the resurrection of Jesus begins to have impact and effect in the here and now. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to look at those. Um, That's what we typically do here at Grace Bible. It's even in the name. Um, Keeping in mind that last week, Colossians 3, verse 1, if you've been raised with Christ or since you've been raised with Christ, I want to read this through one time. I'm going to read with that clause giving direction for the rest of the phrases of Paul. One more time. Put on then as God's chosen ones. We'll break that down a little bit. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and, and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts towards God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So that's our read-through for the day. Keeping in mind the clause, since you've been raised with Christ, give shape to this as it did last week's passage. Read with me again. Since you've been raised with Christ, put on as God's chosen ones and beloved, compassionate hearts. Since you've been raised with Christ, be kind. Since you've been raised with Christ, be humble. 
Since you've been raised with Christ, put on meekness. And since you've been raised with Christ, make sure you're patient. Since you've been raised with Christ, bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, since you've been raised with Christ, you should forgive one another. Because if you've been raised with Christ, you know the Lord has forgiven you. You also must forgive. Since you've been raised with Christ, put on love. Because being raised with Christ means that everything is bound together in perfect harmony. And if you've been raised with Christ, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Because you were called to one body. And if you've been raised with Christ, you should be thankful. Since you've been raised with Christ, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And since you've been raised with Christ, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. With thankfulness, which that was in caps lock, thankfulness in your hearts towards God. And since you've been raised with Christ, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. There are really two ways to look at the church. There is the way where we look at the church with the capital C. And what that means is, for every one of us who has come to faith in Jesus, we are united with brothers and sisters who have also been raised with Christ from every corner of the globe, where the death and resurrection of Jesus has made itself known to them. The idea of being part of the capital C church means that we can go partner with brothers and sisters in Guatemala or brothers and sisters in, in parts of the continent of Africa and brothers and sisters in, in various portions of Europe. Uh, we can even look down the road and see that there are churches that celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus all around us that, that we are united with. It, it's the idea that we are connected by this scriptural truth that every believer everywhere is intertwined, if you will, with one another because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. The capital C church. And if you have been raised with Christ, you are a member of that. And that's the focus for, some, for much of what we'll talk about today, that we are members. And with membership comes benefits. But those benefits don't always look the way we would like for them to look. We at the Pohome have four children, I think. It may be more. Uh, there's a lot of people there. Uh, there are uh, my, my wife, myself, four kids, Shepard, he's 10 next week. Alders is, is two. He'll be three in June. Noli, our little girl, she's five, uh, working on 22. Uh, and m my son Charlie is seven. And if you have a home, and I'm not sure what the number cutoff is, of three or four, uh, you eventually have to become a member of a place that sells food in bulk. <laughs> so once a week or once every two weeks, Hope, Hope loads up that sweet, sweet minivan that I allow her to drive. She drives to, to, to Costco, because we're Costco people, because they have organic stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know what organic even means. Uh, but, but they'll drive and she'll load up the back of the minivan. And, and we've got cups of peaches for days. Daddy, you've been making me eat peaches for a month. Doesn't matter. There's 12 more. Keep going, kid. <laughs> and you become a member there. Sam's Club's the same way. It's just a little less classy. So 
You become a member. If you're a Sam's Club member, that, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. So you go and you pick, you pick up your stuff. You've got large portions. And we, uh, as a church, at, at Halloween last year, for our light of the night, some of us went to Sam's Club so we could buy large portions of candy to give out to other people's children. And we told our children not to touch it. There's another place. You, you can become a member of a gym. There's one in the mall here for whatever reason. Called Powerhouse Fitness, and everyone goes in there, and they look like they've eaten dumbbells for breakfast. And was... There's a place in Chattanooga called called Planet Fitness, and Planet Fitness, uh, and they're they're all over. But there was one really close to my house, and I used to go there after I'd eat my egg McMuffin. Uh, and you would pay a membership fee and you got the benefits. Now, the benefits of Planet Fitness were weird. It was almost counterintuitive because they would make sure you wanted to work out. They had a lunk alert there. So if you were acting like a muscle head and you dropped your weights, there's siren starts going off and you're super embarrassed. I dropped weights not to look cool all the time, but because I didn't want to be holding them. <laughs> but you had this membership that was there. And that membership also came with... They had... On Monday mornings, they offered you bagels, which I don't think works with weightlifting or anything. And then they had like a pizza night there. I just showed up for the pizza night. Uh, you working out today, Chet? No, no. Just pass me that pepperoni. Uh, but for every one of these, there is a membership. And with that membership, you get benefits. Being part of the church means that you've been raised with Christ. And in being raised with Christ, there are benefits that come with that. Not because of what you've paid for, but because of what He's paid for. Now, if you're part of the lowercase c church, now we talk about that here at Grace Bible. There are many of you who are members, some of you guys who are not members. That membership does not function in that way. You are part of what God has done overarching in Jesus, but your membership functions more as a partnership. It's an ownership. It's that we are members of this family of faith and God has given us responsibilities as the family of faith that we are to take care of because we belong. But if you're a member of the body of Christ, the capital C, it means that you have been resurrected with the person of Jesus and that Jesus begins to give shape to you. Our sermon title for today is The Values of Victory. And when we're in this text where it tells us that since you've been raised with Christ... Put these things on. But before you are told what you are to put on, it tells you how you can put them on and why they are put on a bull. Because you are God's chosen ones. Now the word chosen makes lots of people nervous. And I want to give you just a low-key definition of that. It means that before the foundation of the world, God chose you. God selected you. God, God, uh, God initiated relationship with you. And there is responsibility in that. And our hearts should be warmed to the idea that God calls sinners from their lives to, to relationship with Him. But God has been about that work from the beginning of time. Salvations never shock Jesus. They shock us. I've got people in my life, and when I look at them, I'm like, you became a Christian? Tell me more. But never does God sit in heaven and say, oh, mommy, well, how did that happen? He knows how salvation works because He is not only all-knowing, He is all-powerful. But since you've been raised with Christ, put on as God's chosen ones, and then He uses these two words, holy, the word holy in the original language, it's set apart. 
It's a word that comes from a world where bread was a super big deal. And you would cut into the bread, you would separate the bread. And this bread was for the religious leaders and the Jewish word attached to that was holy. It's set apart. So not only are you chosen by God from the beginning of time, you are holy, you are set apart by God, and it says you are beloved. Some of our Bibles, in the place of beloved, will use other phrases. But I love the use of this word because it conveys to us the richness and the depth of what God has done to make you a member. It's unconditional. It is a love that has no end. God is, God loves us holy and holy with a W to make us holy without the W. Loving us fully. God doesn't stop loving you because of your mess ups and your mistakes. God loves you through those in the midst of those, to the other side of those, and will remind you when those have not been dealt with. Holy and dearly loved. Put these things on because you've been raised with Christ. You can't put these on outside of Jesus. But put these things on. And this is what the Christian is to wear I look in my closet from time to time to get dressed. And I've noticed my life has transitioned in the last year. And some of the clothes that I had for Southeast Tennessee, which is not exactly Antarctica, are more designed for cold weather than what is appropriate here. I've not worn a pair of corduroy pants in over a year. I have... uh, Numerous flannel-ish shirts. And we all know what flannel. There's like real deal flannel. And then there's like hipster flannel. I've got some of those shirts. Don't ever wear those anymore. Because my pits sweat. I don't want that on a Sunday morning. I've even noticed uh, that when I moved here, all of these men, especially some of our um, more seasoned gentlemen, if you will, they wear fishing shirts every day. I've never fished a day in my life. It is, I don't have the patience for it, but I, those shirts seem comfortable. Especially when it gets to May here and we're sweating like the devil's armpit. It's so hot here. I noticed like what I put on changed. This passage says that if you're a believer raised with Jesus, you, you put on compassionate hearts. So here's what we see. God's reward, since we've been raised with Christ, first thing you'll see, God's rewards are not rules. God's rewards are not rules. These are not things where God is, used, where God is bashing you. These are God's benefits for you. If you have been raised with Christ, then you can put on a compassionate heart. Why? What gives definition for that? Well, we have to understand the definition of it first. It is the idea of being sympathetic and merciful toward the sufferings of others. If you have been raised with Christ, then you can properly look at those who are hurting around you in the way that Jesus does. 
If we need to understand the way that Jesus sees people who are in difficult situations in this life, not considering eternal damnation or condemnation, but when Jesus interacts with people who still have hearts that are beating, we look and we see that he says to a woman, hey, where are all the people that condemned you? Well, I don't condemn you either. Just go and make sure you don't sin anymore. We look at the life of Jesus and he stares over Israel who is acting foolish. And he says, the Bible tells us that Jesus was broken over that. When Jesus' friend Lazarus passed away, the Bible tells that Jesus wept. It's the idea of a warmness towards the needs of others shaped by Jesus. The Bible also talks about these other concepts. You, as a believer, since you've been raised with Christ, though compassion may not be your deal, it's possible for you. These are possibilities. Put on kindness. Kindness. It's never... It's never less than being nice. It may be more than that. But it's never less. Are we kind? Well, who am I supposed to be kind to? Well, each other, that would help. In rooms and spaces like this, the body, the believers that you gather with every Sunday, it probably is good for you to be kind to them. Because you share the resurrection of Jesus. But, that co-worker that doesn't share in the resurrection of Jesus, you and I can be kind to them in the hope of them sharing in the resurrection of Jesus. The lady at Kroger who takes far too long to scan your groceries. Do you really think she needs another person being difficult for her. She's already struggling with her job. Anybody work in retail here? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody ever worked in retail? Look at you guys. Salesmen's all over town. Anyone ever worked in the food service industry? How many kind people do you see in that? I love to have interactions with waiters and waitresses about Sunday afternoons. Do you know how unkind we are? We, we. Since you've been raised with Christ, can you just be kind? Yeah, you can. Since you've been raised with Christ, the idea of meekness. What does meekness look like? Can we define that? It's the idea that though I am frustrated and angry with this situation, and whatever other word you attach with frustrated and angry, I trust that God is able to direct these events. Sometimes our lack of meekness is really just a mirror for our lack of trust. 
got to trust that you're going to get me to the other side of this. And if you don't, you're with me in the midst. Since you've been raised with Christ, be patient. Maybe you don't understand what that word means. Parents, there are these creatures in your homes that draw from you an impatience. Just so I can, I can know I'm not by myself here. Mamas, daddies, mommies, I don't know what you call them here. What do you, anybody ever un, impatient with their children? My, my wife is so patient. I will watch her with my children. She will deal with things that I have to take a walk around the neighborhood for. But the Bible tells us that since we've been raised with Christ, patience not only with your children, but, but with those, but with anyone you have interaction with. These words are all pretty tied together. Since you've been raised with Christ, and then we get into the one another's. We see this happen. Verse 13 and 14. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving one another. As the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everyone together, everything together in perfect harmony. So the New Testament shares with us that there is an idea of the one another. And what we find that since we've been raised with Christ, God's inclusion of us defeats isolation. Now, since moving here, I have learned that many of us are introverts. And that's okay. Introversion is okay. Isolation is not. Because we were not meant to live outside of fellowship with one another. In this passage alone, Paul talks about the one another's multiple times. But the exhaustive list sounds like this and I've read this to some of us before in the New Testament we see that we are called to love one another to serve one another to accept one another to strengthen one another to help one another to encourage one another to care for one another to forgive one another to submit to one another, to commit to one another, to build trust with one another, to live in harmony with one another, to confess to one another, to not pass judgment upon one another, to not slander one another, to instruct one another, to grieve one another, to admonish one another, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We are also called to meet with one another, to agree with one another, to be concerned for one another, to be humble to one another in love, be compassionate to one another, do not be consumed by one another. Do not anger one another. Do not lie to one another. Do not grumble to one another. Give preference to one another. Nope. Be at peace with one another. Sing to one another. We're getting there in a minute. Uh, be the, of the same mind as one another. To comfort one another. To be kind to one another. To live in peace with one another. To carry one another's burdens. So if you are living in isolation, apart from faith family, based upon the very specific teaching of Paul, modeled by the life of Jesus, to live in isolation is a sin. Because you are called to a body. 
united with the people, joined together as members of the body of Christ here at Grace, specifically as partners of what God is doing. It's not judgmental. It's God showing us how this is supposed to work since you've been raised with Christ. But what if I don't like people? They probably don't like you. But what if you leaning into the relationships that have been created through your unity with Jesus. What if those took hold and started to shape and change the way that you see your world? Because our faith, though personal, is public. We are together since you've been raised with Christ God's inclusion defeats isolation so, so where, what's happening here help, help me out we also see this in verse 15 that since you've been raised with Christ his peace is possible let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts in which you were called to one body. All of those one another's funneling down to one body. That we are one. Well, what's it mean for the peace of Jesus to rule in our hearts? If we're to read through the scriptures and see what the peace of Jesus is, we can start in the Old Testament. There's a concept of shalom. It's a, it's a music-ish word. I don't know much about music, but... Uh, in the idea of shalom, it's really the idea of a harmony. That my life and that your life, they, they harmonize with what God is doing. God, the driving force of all things. God, the one who shows us that he is all-powerful, but he doesn't always force that power upon us. That God can do whatever he wants, and he allows us to be part of what he's, he's doing. So when we as believers embrace the peace of Christ... It means that the melody of the song, the melody of everyday life that God has set before us, we are able to weave our lives into that in, in a harmonic way. That we harmonize with what God's doing. For, for non-music heads, uh, like myself, I had to Google this. Wikipedia, very helpful for pastors, um, especially bad ones. You have the, the concept of a portion of a song that would not sound correct if it were apart from the melody. Now when I listen to the room sing, there are some of us who are melody people. We should own that, believe that, trust that. That is the Lord's place for us in the singing of a congregation. But there are some who harmonize, whose voices mix and meld with what, what Jared is leading, the way Jared is leading us. Now, if those voices were taken apart from all that Jared is doing, the driving force, the melody that most of us sing, it would sound awkward. But in unity with what is driving the room, it's supposed to sound beautiful. The life of a believer harmonizes with God 
It's one where we see that my ups and my downs, they work in line with where God is taking me, never stepping away from where God is, what God is doing or why God is doing it, but specifically to me, the way that I intertwine myself with the movement of God, it is a unique thing that we as believers are using our lives to connect to what God is doing. It's the idea of shalom, that we are united with God. And that we want to go the direction that he would have us to go. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Well, what does the peace of Christ look like? We look and we see the life of Jesus. And we see what he says to a man who's asking questions for the sake of questions. In the gospel that Jared read from this morning. And we see the story of the Good Samaritan. And this man is telling, Jesus is, or Jesus allows this man to say to him what the commandments are. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then the guy keeps going, Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus paints this picture for him of this compassionate person. What if our lives found their direction for how they are to intertwine with all that God is doing from what we see in the life of Jesus. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let what Jesus is doing be doing something in you. And be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So, right now, I've talked for many of you with engineering background in mushy-gushy, touchy-feely things. Which are true. But we understand what those things are and how those things are to function as those who would allow the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. We can know the peace of Christ fully and see what that looks like when the word of Christ dwells richly. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So this does not mean that you teach and admonish someone out of anger or frustration. The concept of wisdom here is one where we see, yes, there is a space to teach and I have been given the place to step into that space and teach it. This is not you correcting for correction's sake. It is us correcting for Christ's sake with the hope of the gospel in mind. It is us not sowing seeds of division, but making sure that we are seeking after unity in all things. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then he says this. Sing psalms. We know where those are. And hymns. And spiritual songs. So we did that. Like I listened to the room today. And, and I love that we're singing in worship. And I love the, the new flip of the room. Where you're turned in a little bit. And I can hear your voices. Wait. Am I supposed to hear the people around me? Absolutely. Because we don't just sing to heaven. No we do. We sing to one another. that you would find your place in songs 
Because people around you who you are united with are finding their place to worship in song. And then it says with thankfulness. So we don't just sing out of duty. By song two or three we should be singing out of delight. That we would not sing just for the sake of singing. But that our songs would go to the Lord and we would realize that when I sing a song like Forever Rain, which I'm being honest with you, I don't always love. It doesn't just miss the fact that it's true. And because music isn't what I always think music should sound like or what you should sound like, the truth of the song unites us that we are singing to Jesus and there is a really great chance that someone sitting around you needs to hear you sing that you want the light of the world to reign forever we belong to one another let the peace of Christ dwell in you richly singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness then we see in verse 17 this, that the word also shapes our whatever. It's a catch-all. <laughs> I like that Paul uses it. He says this, Whatever you do in word or do, deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So he's giving us a pretty long list of how our lives are supposed to function, but just in case something didn't get there, he said, and everything else, whatever you do, make sure you think about Jesus there too. Every week we, we have an elder meeting here at our church where uh, our, our elders, myself, Jared, um, Greg Smith, Tim Davenport, Seaporn. We, we sit together and, and every week our elder meeting functions like this. I don't want you to think we work on secret handshakes or anything. Uh, that's, that's next year. That's the focus of 2019. Secret handshakes and, you know, wraps. We're going to work on some wraps. But when, you, when we meet together, it's a pretty... I mean, I work with engineers, so it's a pretty orderly little deal, right? We know we're going to do devotion... And then we're going to begin to think through calendar stuff. Like, well, what, what is, we, we, we're going to think through well, what's taking place in the next six to eight months that's going to help our church to function in the way that God would have it to function. So sometimes that's really like a short kick. Sometimes that's a long kick. We're also going to talk about our people. Not bad, like we just told, the Bible just told us not to. But uh, it's the idea of us thinking through, okay, are there situations, are there scenarios, are there things that we need to lean into a little heavier? Are there relationships that we need to, to pour into? Things that we need to focus on? Those are good things for us to consider. There's a time of prayer over our people. We think through what the meetings that we're going to have to have. And then we, we close up. And we, we close up because meetings should never last longer than an hour. I, I believe that. And when we're closing up, the moderator of our group will typically look at everyone around the room and he will make sure that we catch everything. And he will look at me and he will say, Chad, what's your one more thing? 
I, I, I don't have one more thing. Are you sure? I'm sure you've got one more thing to talk to us about. So I, I, the gerbil runs in my head for a little bit. No, I don't have a one more. So he goes person to person to person, making sure that anything that did not get included gets included for the sake of this very important conversation. So an important conversation that we have viewed as so important that we will wake up at 5 in the morning. Person to person. What's your one more thing? What's your one more thing? What's your one more thing? I don't want anything to slip. So you and I can make a problem of this passage. We can list these things out as a checklist. This is how the believer is supposed to behave. I got to be compassionate. Which if you're going with God, you got a problem there. I'm, I'm to be meek and I'm to be gentle and I'm to be these things that Paul's laid out. I'm to sing to one another. And if you're a person who likes lists, you can look at this list and check, 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 check. Some of us like lists and some of us don't. But if you're not thinking holistically, that there are always those one more things that have been forgotten by you, Paul is saying, Think about those. Make this your list and then make sure that you are giving a sub-list of this is the one more thing. Because every one of us have a different life. But the God who has called us is the same. And he has placed us where we are, when we are, for his purposes. So, if you're struggling with these things... Think through them. If you're not, find your one more thing. And celebrate that God has brought us together. Unifying us as a body for the sake of the kingdom of God. Because you, if you have been of a relationship with Jesus, have been raised with Christ. These are rewards from God. That you can't do outside of him. So here's what I want us to do this morning. I want you guys just to kind of bow your heads where you are. <coughs> Band's going to come. We're singing a new song today. And I love it. And I think you're going to love it too. It, the words of it talk about us singing in the victory that God has given us. This means we, we live and we breathe and we have our being because of the victory given to us by Jesus. So, Jared's going to give us direction, but I want you to think about if you're living in that victory, the sin and hell have been defeated and that your life can matter for eternity's sake. Because you have been raised with Christ. If you're here and you've never been raised with Jesus, what the Bible teaches us is that you would confess with your mouth and believe in your confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If that's something you've never done but you want to do, the, the, look, I'm over here to my left hand side. Find me. If you're here and you, you're not going to find me, but you want to write on your card, hey, I need to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus raised 
that Jesus is Lord and God has raised him from the dead, then check that on your card. We'll find you if that's what you're saying to us. But for those of us who are believers, these are victorious possibilities for us. So let's learn a new song and let's sing a new song and let's declare these words as true because they are. Lord Jesus, you are good to us. And I love these people. Lord, I love them so much. I thank you for them. I thank you for their hearts and their minds and, and their worship. I thank you for the songs that we've already been able to sing. I thank you for these new one, this new one we're going to sing. I thank you that we can have voices that are united with heaven itself. So let us be people who celebrate victory. Because we've been raised with Christ. We ask all this in your powerful name, Lord Jesus. Would you say it and sing with us?